Hello, everyone, men. Welcome to Minute 72 of Season 4 of Blue Ground Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal Megrain rom-com, One Harry Met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jim O'Kane, uh, who's done Hi, so many different projects over the years. It's it's so hard to to to, to specifically uh, you know point one or two of them because there's like 50 aren't there or something I, like I that. Don't, I don't know if there's that many, but it's uh, <laughs> I, it's it's all a blur. I try to I try to forget about the bad times and concentrate on the present. That's yeah, but it's, it was good. We had have a lot of great. Uh, I hope we didn't have that many and, bad times. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it's just mostly it's just if uh, if a guest didn't show up, that's the that's the worst time I've had. But uh, had some really great times and uh, perfect excuses to talk to people about movies I love, which is I think that's why we all do this stuff. That's right. That we do. So, so thank you for coming back today to 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 find out what happens, you know, after you know Harry says he's comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is another dialogue uh, uh, lean week uh, yes. day. Actually, the week yeah. is not, but this this no. this episode is is dialogue lean. So, episode seventy two begins with Sally asking another question, and ends with Sally smiling profusely. <laughs> So we ended things yesterday with with Sally asking Harry if he feels com- if he's comfortable, you know, which he says yes, but you can see on his face that he is clearly not. Yeah, it's, it's and we're not even Pinocchio. talking about physically. We're not even yeah. talking about is he physically comfortable. We're just talking about he's he's mentally not comfortable. Yeah, I think he's that's... in a super bad price right now. It's just uh oh. Um, yeah, it's yes. Uh... The fight or flee response is definitely on set on flee. It's, uh... yes. <laughs> and and then Sally turns to him and goes, "Do you want something to drink or something?" And he says, "No, I'm I'm okay." Well, I'm gonna get up for some water, so it's really no trouble. Uh, okay, <laughs> water. <laughs> as few syllables as possible. Correct. You know, she's she's acting very playful. You know, she kisses his chest again. Um, she, but you can also tell that she genuinely wants him to feel comfortable. You know, she's yeah. she's looking at this and, and you know, uh, again, later in the movie, even next week, she's already going to start saying that maybe this was a mistake. But at least in the moment, she is very happy that, that he's there with her. And, you know, she she had a good time. And, you know, she wants to make sure that he is uh, feeling comfortable. Yeah, this is, I mean, to to quote the Steve Allen song, this could be the start of something big, I think, is the way she's looking at it. It's like, oh, this is great. Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's swell. And he's he's like, you know, it, it's he's completely the opposite of, uh-oh, I've got, you know, how can I minimize the damage I'm doing? Right. And it's... <laughs> uh, you, you and you can feel both sides in it. You can feel both of their personalities coming through on the on the screen. Right, um, that's true. And and uh, you know his his response to her is is quite reluctant when he goes, "Okay, water." Meaning, well, if you, if you're going to twist my arm, then I'll, I'll have some water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though he 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 has a look on his face that maybe he wants some hard liquor. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Give me scotch in a funnel. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Ah, but uh, yeah, she and she goes out, and it, it's the '80s, so they don't, they're no longer drinking the '70s Perrier; they're drinking uh, '80s as Avion, the Avion water. Yeah, yeah. But I so, mean, before uh, before she even gets into the kitchen, so you know, she she once again kisses him on the on the neck, 
and then she smiles and you see her like roll out of bed and you can see that Harry still has not moved. He's still completely in shock. Yeah, as deer in the headlights. That's right. And and he looks over her as she's putting her bathroom back on, you know, so we can clearly see that she wasn't wearing any clothes, obviously. But, you know, he sees it also. And I think that that makes him say to himself, oh, my God, one second. I, what did I just do? <laughs> what just happened with, with my best friend? Yeah. You know, where is this, this friendship going at this point? You know, I've, I've now seen her naked. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know, you know, you could, and, and then she, she gets up and walks out of the room and, you know, he, he like eyes her as she's leaving and he, you know, you can see on his face that he's not really sure what to, to make of it. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, and, and I mean, the, uh, he's putting all these possible scenarios in his head of uh, this will, you know, this is going to destroy her. What did I do? I've ruined her life. I'm going to. You know, I've ruined our friendship. I've ruined everything, and you know, that, that he has a whole different track from where uh, uh, where Sally's going with this. She's like, right. "Oh, this is great. We're gonna get up. We're gonna go have breakfast. We're gonna do this and that. Everything's gonna be a wonderful day." And he's not he's not there at all. Right, but do you um, think he's he's concerned about how she's gonna deal with this information, this situation, or how he's gonna be dealing with it? I think he well, he's thinking about how what he's going to have to react to when he has to you know like he's already thinking about letting her down that it's like this was this was a mis like i think he woke up thinking this is this is a mistake was his first thought in his head right. so i think he's at the once point he where, realized where he was <laughs> yeah uh oh yeah this was yeah that was a peck on the cheek so um yeah he's he's like how do i get out of this what is it going to do to my friend sally and i don't see any way it's it's like it's like riding a bicycle and having the handlebar come off in your hands and you're still going forward. And you're like, I am going to hit something. That's such a soon. great analogy. You know, and he's like waving the, waving the handlebar going, this isn't working anymore. And the, you know, the wheels are still spinning forward. So he hasn't crashed yet, but he knows that, you know, that tree coming up is not going to be good. So uh, I think, I think that's where he, he's seeing all the possible disasters uh, that lay in front of him. And, uh, Sal is just thinking, isn't this great? I'm here with my buddy, and who knew that we could have we had such a great relationship coming up? And what a great year it's going to be. That's true. And as she, we see her, you know, we get we get a different shot. We get a shot basically from her side. We see like her her legs as she's walking out of the room. Okay, but then we see Harry lying in bed. Okay, now I don't know if you noticed this. But I just found it really strange the way that Harry is lying in bed. He has one foot on the floor. Yeah. Okay. So the the, the big question that I have here is, you know, it, what's the significance of that one foot on the floor? Is that one foot on the floor? One second, before you jump in, I'll, I'll oh, yeah. give you my options. And then okay. You yeah, can yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. what you think. <laughs> okay. So the, my first option is, okay, is this Harry's uh, typical, you know, uh, post-sex uh, position, you know, getting him ready to <laughs> on your mark, on, yeah. your mark <laughs> on your mark, get set, go. You know, yeah. his, him wanting to run out, or is this basically a a slight jab at the Hayes Code? Yeah, that's that. You you and I are on the same page with that. I was thinking this is the the Hayes Code, where if you're in bed with a woman, that you have to have at least one foot on the floor, or it's sinful. So right. um, and the woman also I, both both characters. Yeah. I I actually went and looked it up. The 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 rules, you know, for Hayes Code, uh, with with how it works with that, you know, 
they even even if people were married, they used to have separate beds. And anytime that there was any love scene, that whether it was whether they were married or not, one person had to always keep one foot on the floor at all times, which is just one of the <laughs> funniest rules that that someone can think of. You know, do, do you know? Do you know? Do you know some of the general like rules of the Hays Code? Um, you're never supposed to show divorce as a positive thing that you didn't, you, you, you got, usually if it's a divorce, they try to get them reconciled before the movie's over. Um, there is uh, no sign that gambling is a good, it, it, there's a couple it's like generally any vice, uh, would be shown in a negative light. Uh, crime never pays. You can never get away with something. And, um, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of them in there, but it's just, it's amazing that this this was followed for decades of, yes. of of getting it done, and you know, and and Rob Reiner, of course, would be, well, his his dad would have experienced some of that when he was starting out in the business, uh, in in the writing business, of how to put things. So the Hayes Code was always probably prominent in the uh, in the Reiner household when they were talking about how to write for how to write for a show. It could be. Um, it could be. So let me just quickly go through what the, the rules were from the Hayes Code. Just for anyone who's who's not familiar with the Hayes Code, the Hayes Code is a code that was uh, created in the early 1930s in order to uh, make movie watching uh, more uh, wholesome, I guess you can say, because there they, they were, uh, I don't, I don't want to say re religious fanatics, but that's who they were, basically, who wanted to change the, the the message that movies were giving and decided that they're going to impose rules on them. And at the beginning, the studios didn't want to follow these rules, and they ended up having to, to you know, follow suit because they were losing uh, business and losing advertisements and things like that. So the rules, they have, you have three general principles of the Hays Code. No picture shall be produced that will lower the moral standards of those who see it. Hence, the sympathy of the audience should never be thrown to the side of crime, wrongdoing, evil, or sin. Okay, that goes with what you're saying, that someone can't get away yep. with something, which a prime example of that is is in uh, the movie It's a Wonderful Life, where people you know, still wonder how Potter got away with it. You know, how did they, how did the Hays Code not stop that. <laughs> um, number two, the correct standards of life subject only to the requirement of drama and entertainment shall be presented. Okay, but it's funny, the standards of life based on what the people who wrote the Hays Code believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's due to our standards, you know. Yeah. Num number three, law, natural or human, shall be not be ridiculed, nor shall sympathy be created for its violation. Okay, meaning you can't uh make fun of uh anyone who is you know part of the law or even what they're referring to here also are uh clergymen you couldn't make fun of clergymen yeah in, in it. okay so then they have particular applications of the Hays code so nudity and suggestive dances were permitted prohibited the ridicule ridicule of religion was forbidden and ministers of religion were not to be representative of comic characters or villains which uh, a, a prime example of that is in the Three Musketeers, they made Cardinal Richelieu the prime minister because uh, you, know, you can't make fun of the cardinal, but you can't have the villain, uh, you can't have the cardinal as a villain, but if it's the prime minister, then no, no one cares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I was thinking about the, the crime part, if you think of the movie Angels with Dirty Faces. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Jimmy Cagney is he used to be one of the Bowery boys or the, you know, the right. dead end kids. And uh, in the movie, 
uh, Pat O'Brien, who's you know he was he was part of the gang, but he he got he got away, and the other kids got caught, and he winds up being a priest. And so Jimmy Cagney killed, you know, he he killed a, I think it was a bank guard or something like that. And the kids all looked up to him for being tough and being, you know, he wasn't going to, even if he was going to the electric chair, he wasn't going to be, uh, he, he wasn't going to fold for, uh, the, the, you know, the dirty bulls that put him in the, in, in stir and all that. You know. Um, so, uh, Pat O'Brien tells Jimmy Cagney, you know, it would really help if you, if you went out like a dirty yellow coward, uh, when, when you're put in the chair and, Jimmy Cagney says, I'm not going to do that. I ain't no uh, chicken. And so anyway, he uh, Jimmy Cagney goes to the electric chair and before he gets in, he fights and he starts crying and screaming. And then they throw the switch. And um, at the end, the dead end kids are talking to uh, uh, Father Pat O'Brien. And he said, did he really go out like a dirty yellow coward? And Pat O'Brien looks at them and goes, yeah, he went out like a dirty yellow coward. And, um, <laughs> and, and you know, the thing about that is, Jimmy Cagney was redeemed, but he still, you know, he had the death penalty because he did, he did the right thing for the kids. But it's like, wait a minute, that's that is the Hayes Code, but it, you know, he was the good guy in all this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next thing is the depiction of illegal drug use was forbidden, as well as the use of liquor when not required by the plot or for proper characterization. So, in other words, if the guy's a drunk, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we wouldn't have had the Thin Man, right? It, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny listening, reading off these yeah. things, you know, 90 years after they, they made them and just, you know, they're just really funny the way it's all worded. You know, methods of crime, safe cracking, arson, smuggling were not to be explicit, explicitly presented, meaning don't let anyone know your, your tricks of the trade. <laughs> yeah. References to alleged, alleged sex perversion, such as homosexuality and venereal disease were forbidden as were depictions of childbirth. So I just find that really funny that they put that all in the same sentence. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no homosexuality, no venereal disease and no childbirth. <laughs> Cause all three of those things are completely the same. Yeah. It's all, yeah. It's all in the same, the same pot. Wow. Yeah. The language section banned various words and phrases that were considered to be offensive. Okay. They would, they would, you know, go over these, the, every every script and uh, you know cut out anything that they found offensive. Uh, murder scenes had to be filmed in a way that would discourage imitation in real life, and brutal killings could not be shown in detail. <laughs> <laughs> How would you discourage imitations in real life? To, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't don't do this. Yeah, uh... revenge in modern times was not to be justified. <laughs> the sanctity of marriage and the home had to be upheld. Adultery and illicit sex could not be explicit or justified. Ah, so if it's not explicit, it's okay. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> wow. Portrayal of uh, misogyny. Well, I don't even know what this word is. Misignation? Misignation, yeah. That's uh, that's uh, interracial relationships. Ah, okay. Uh, romantic relationships. Okay. Um, scenes of passion were not to be introduced when not essential to the plot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder how they would have reacted to um, uh, Carmen sitting in uh, Philip Marlowe's uh, lap while he was standing up in, uh, in the big sleep. Exactly. Um, or, or just you know, if, so so therefore the 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 deli scene in this movie is essential to the plot. So it's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Excessive and lustful kissing was to be avoided. Avoided? No. 
Dude, not even saying it's banned. You you just try, try yeah. not to have it. You know, um, the flag of the U.S. was to be treated respectfully, and the people in history of other nations were to be presented fairly. <laughs> wow. So when you're stowing Nazis, you should do it in a yeah. fair way. <laughs> wow. I guess I didn't see Destination Tokyo. Um, apparently not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> vulgarity defined as low disgusting unpleasant though not necessarily evil subjects uh yeah vulgarity defined as low disgusting unpleasant though not necessarily evil subjects must be subject to the dictates of good taste so vulgarity <laughs> <laughs> you have to have good taste when you're being vulgar there you go yeah and the final one here is capital punishment third degree methods Cruelty to children and animals, prostitution, and surgical operations were to be handled with similar sensitivity. Wow. <laughs> Again, they're putting this all in the same category. Yeah, all in the same thing, yeah. It's... So prostitution and cruelty to children and animals is the same. And surgery. And, and surgery. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can't I, – I keep thinking about it. So many movies that would just be uh... – knocked out you couldn't you couldn't do them um correct holy sure. smokes that's just it's just amazing that 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 i mean it, it lasted for was it 25 30 years that that people yeah. were, were were abiding by these i mean obviously in the mid 50s people stopped uh you know there were there were people who started to not pay attention to it to to the code yeah, anymore I, if if memory serves as late as like 1962 uh when hush hush sweet charlotte came out there was consternation about uh joseph cotton appearing in the in the show and he was supposedly you know he was dressed up as though he were a um a decaying corpse and that was considered uh a little rough for uh audiences and it you know they were they were they hadn't come out with uh motion picture association hadn't come out with the rating system the rating started i think but, in 60 67 or 68 60 yeah yeah later in there but yeah but Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte may have been one of the ones that kicked that kicked that off, saying, "Oh, this is too horrifying." And you watch it nowadays, and it's like, eh, it's just Joseph it's, Cotton it's wearing very some uh, stage makeup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, just think about the fact that uh, you have you have Anatomy of, the, of a Murder, you know, that came out in '59, yeah. that was even nominated for Best Picture and a whole bunch of other Oscars, you know, and you know, it was it was very groundbreaking at the time that you had a movie that was explicitly talking about rape. You know, yeah. and and they even reference it in the movie that it's not something that you normally talk about in public. You know, because the uh, one of the one of the lawyers mentions uh, the word panties, and everyone in the in in the gallery, including the jury, start start laughing, and the judge yeah. has to to stop them and says, you know, if you can't act like adults, <laughs> then you can leave because some of the subject matter that we're going to be talking about here is for adults, and yeah. You know, so and and that was you know Jimmy Stewart. You wouldn't expect Jimmy Stewart to be talking about uh, rape and panties, you know, in a movie. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, you think of it's a wonderful life. The uh, glory, what what uh, Gloria Graham's uh, profession was in Potterville yes. was always you know. Hmm. Um, well, everything in Potterville, you know, should have been kicked out from the Hays Code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I guess well, but, it showed but, in a bad light. But but it's it I guess it, it helps the plot, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Seriously. <laughs> so yeah. That I so I on on the commentary 
Rob Reiner does mention the fact that that his that Billy that uh, Harry's foot is on the floor, but he doesn't mention anything about the Hayes Code. He just he talks uh-huh. about the fact that that he's you know getting ready for a sprint. That's that's what it. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that's the way that's it looks. pretty but, much what it looks like. It's just yeah, but it, it looks really funny. You know, it 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 does not look like he would be comfortable, uh, you know, doing that, you know, with with one foot on the the ground and and the other, you know, under the covers. I don't know. Yeah, I I felt like in that minute while she was out there, it, when she came back, he should have been completely dressed, shoes and all. Oh. Yeah, that's right. He should have been up. Oh, I gotta go. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I told you I gotta clean my my end irons at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> and then and then Sally goes into the kitchen. She opens up the fridge. We we don't really get to see what she has in the fridge by by the because she's standing in front of it. We can see that she has like all these different types of what looks like tea, and uh, maybe different type of herbal stuff. I don't know uh, on on the back of the stove. Yeah, well, we Harry must have timer. known about that because that's what he could have you know, offered right. her. In, uh, he offered her tea. The previous, yeah, that's right. He should have said, "Can you make me tea?" <laughs> <laughs> and she takes out a bottle of Evian, which uh, you pointed out earlier, earlier in today's episode. And one of the things I mentioned earlier in the movie is that Nora Ephron talks about the fact that you know this was one of the very first movies where people were where they you had a character walking around with bottled water and it's very possible that this started the fad of you know people walking around with bottles hmm you know, they well, talk about um, that. yeah i mean per- perrier was big in the in the 70s in the late 70s that was the thing like if you were going to order water you know buy buy, buy water at least in, in american audiences i mean like, europe is long had bottled water but i think the first the first one to come to mass market in the u.s was uh was perrier but then uh yeah but you but but you just mentioned that people would order it in a restaurant you wouldn't have them walking around with a bottle of perrier in movies yeah that's true yeah you know sally when when sally is in harry's apartment and they're 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 trying to fit the rug or the carpet you know in in his in the room she is holding on to a bottle of bottled water yeah and you know, and it's and it's really odd in the sense that I mean, New York City is famous for the quality of its tap water. So uh, getting getting New Yorkers to switch to Avion must have been quite a quite a feat. Well, again, we we never we never establish where Harry or Sally are originally from. You know, the assumption is is that neither of them is from New York, because actually yeah. we know for sure that Sally is not from New York because she said she doesn't know anybody in New York. So it sounds as if she says she would say, "Oh, my parents live there." You know, she she doesn't know anybody there, so she's not. You know, maybe she's maybe she's from Chicago. I don't know. And the water there isn't as good as the water is in New York, and she's never tried it because, you know, when when you know something's bad, why why even try? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's kind of hard. I'm Billy Crystal. I'm pretty sure is right right from Manhattan. So um, it's kind of hard to hide his uh, his accent. He has a definite definite New York accent, right? Um, but uh, now looking at his uh, Wikipedia, he was raised in the Bronx. So uh, okay, that was that's Billy Crystal. But we're talking here about Harry yeah, Burns. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we don't, don't know, know where Harry I, Burns. I, is. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's changing his accent. He's very very New Yorkish. <laughs> but but of course, that, you know that could be an acquired thing. I've known uh, a, a good friend of mine who I, who I grew up with who was from Oregon. Who moved to New York when he was about 
10 had a had a stronger New York accent than I I'm I'm I lived eight miles from uh, Manhattan in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and I, I have kind of a generic American accent, but he turned into like doity doity and doity kind of a you know it's it's almost like a <laughs> like a, like a parody of New York accents. Wow. Um, but it could be something that he just picked up on the way. I, I guess. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So Sally fills up two glasses. She she takes out two perfectly clean glasses from you know uh, from from the the cupboard. Fills them up both with uh, with her water. You know, it's nice to see that she has a plate there of fruit on uh, sitting on the counter. With uh, we can at least see an apple and uh, maybe another apple or something else that's being. Yeah. Uh, and she's she, she's got that '70s era um, harvest gold teacup too. On yes. The, on mm-hmm. the table, a very it's, this this whole uh, this whole apartment just kind of screams '70s '80s with the uh, the mis- mismatched. Um, the the bed sheets that don't match the uh, top the duvet that that top cover yes and it's just it that was the style of the the seventies that she's you know carried on through so it's it's very a product product of its times correct now did you notice that then the shot goes back and we we see Harry you know still lying in bed he's now uh, lying a little higher up but we can yeah. see that behind him um, what would normally be you know like the 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 backboard, the headboard, yeah, the headboard there, right? So, right, right, backboard is, is basketball. The headboard, <laughs> but it's not really a headboard. It looks like a, um, I don't know, like a a, a wicker uh, uh, cabinet or yeah. something like that. You know, that yeah, it seems to be rather, yeah, rather ornate. Yeah, um, I mean, we have these like, uh, you know, first of all, it's 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 very it it takes up a lot of space. You know, so the bed is not against the wall, basically. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably it looks like it's a good foot away from the from from the wall with the you know the 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 with the, the you know how far away this cabinet or whatever you want to call it moves the bed away. You know. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a holly it's a Hollywood New York apartment. I mean, they always seem to have more more room than um than any any place you'd normally see in an apartment in you know in Manhattan and, and more and, money that they can actually afford. You know, yeah. have these have, <laughs> you know, which brings us back always to, you know, Seinfeld and, and friends, you know, how did yeah. any of them actually, how were any of them able to afford, you know, apartments <laughs> when either they yeah. were living alone or with a roommate still is too much, you know? Yeah. And, no, both of, yeah. Both of them would be somewhere, somewhere in New Jersey and take the, take the train in every morning. Exactly. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to afford this kind of place. Exactly. And there's like a stack of magazines there and there's, there's this uh, little, what what looks maybe like a uh, a little safe, but we'll, we'll get there in a second as to what it really is. We have all these uh, peng- stuffed penguins uh, sitting around there also. And Harry looks and, uh, back, yeah. and this little safe thing, he, he picks it up, starts shaking it around, and then opens it. And you see a whole bunch of, like, uh, uh, dividers in it, separators. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be like an index yeah. card holder exactly. of some kind. Right. Now we'll, we'll we'll get to it. I think tomorrow we'll yeah. talk about what it is. But I, I just find it funny that he looks at it very strangely, and we'll we'll talk more about this tomorrow. But you know, it's as if this is the first time he's ever seen this type of thing. Yeah. You know, which you'd think that if they've been friends for over a year, he has been around her apartment. I mean, it's not as if she's living in a a five bedroom apartment. You know, it's not. It isn't that that large of an apartment. Maybe she has, you know, her living room and she has a bedroom and a kitchen. 
and, and a bathroom. Yeah. You know, that's probably yeah. the extent of what she has there. And if, if they've been hanging out, I'm assuming that he's seen what she has in her room before. Yeah, and it's but he does know her personality. Yeah, so for sure, as 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 we'll find out later, you know, yeah. this is this is yet another sign of her personality. Yes, for sure, for sure. And then it shows us Sally once again, still back in the kitchen with a huge smile on her face, and it's <laughs> you know they 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 linger on on her face for about five six seconds, you know, and we see her smile get get larger and larger as she's you can see that. You know, you can see in her mind the way things are moving, that she's saying to herself, hmm, this is something that might work. You know, we're we're, yeah. we're going in the right direction here. You know, I, I didn't think that, that, that this could have worked, but uh, hey, uh, why not? You know, that type of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah while, while Harry is meanwhile trying to astrally project himself across, across town as yes. fast as possible. <laughs> Completely. And that that's the way this minute ends. Did did you have anything you want to say about this minute else? No, anything just, else? It's it's very much you know, it's it's funny when you look at this about how how eighties it is. I mean, there's no there you know, you'd expect to see uh mobile phones and uh laptops and all kinds of electronic gear in the kitchen and the bedroom and everywhere else. And it's it's so interesting seeing we really used to live with so much less electronics in our lives um and, and we survived <laughs> yeah yeah we somehow you know it's like if you had a question about something you could go to the library or just wonder about it. you know it's like oh i wonder where i could find out about that information instead yeah. of just you know googling it um yeah so i remember just, my parents used to have you know a, a set of encyclopedias they had a funkin yep. wagnall encyclopedia set from i think 1974 you know so if yep. i wanted information <laughs> i could get information from 1974 or i can go to my neighbor's our neighbors who had the world book encyclopedia world book, yeah. that, you know, was, was updated, you know, till somewhere it's, it's, in the mid eighties. Yeah. And then every year, year every they year. had a yearbook and I would go there and I would, I, I used to love just sitting there and reading, you know, and that was the type of kid I was. I loved reading encyclopedias yeah. just to see, you know, all the things that happened and the new things. That, they, they, uh, they had a little plastic inset so you could see, you know, how the, uh, the Roman empire moved to the Byzantine empire and you could flip it over and see where the yes. map, yes, yes, you know, yes. they show you the I map of the Mediterranean things. So, um, yeah, it was always exciting. I mean, that was our multimedia experience. Exactly. <laughs> the world book yearbook. Exactly. Um, I mean, I've, I've told this story before, but I used to love going to the library whenever I had an assignment for school because I'd love seeing the librarians when I would go over to them and say, Oh, I need to do uh, an, uh, a report about, and I would, it didn't matter what it was. And they would always say, Oh, okay. So you have to go to this place and that place. And I was, I was so fascinated that how would they know I'm, I'm talking about the Holy Roman empire. How would they yeah. know that this is where you need to go do it? Or I was doing something, you know, on, uh, I don't know, one of the presidents, they, they, you know, to me, the librarian was the type of person who, who knew everything. And, you know, I, I, I think it's funny because I, I see myself in some ways similar to a librarian that I know a, a, a little bit about a lot. You know, that's what yeah, it comes it, down it, to. It, and that's, I, that's I, the way librarians did it because they know a little bit and to be able to point you in the right direction. Yeah, it, it's um, uh, I, I, I had a I, I grew up in up well, not that far upstate New York, but Brewster, New York. And um, the librarian that we had in our local library knew everything about everything. And someone had called up and asked her what the name of Paul Revere's horse was. And she said, oh, it's Brown Beauty. And she, like, she, I, I heard her when she was on the phone. 
<laughs> she didn't even she didn't even look it up and it's like how do you know i just know and it was you know and because of that uh i just uh, uh you know and, and of course but when she said that i had to stick it in my head now i you know i can't play the piano very well but i do remember that paul revere's horse's name was brown beauty so uh <laughs> You don't play the piano very well. You have a you have a you have a piano behind you. I can see. I do. No one else can see it. Play, maybe maybe I, I you don't play it. Play it. Yeah. <laughs> I play it very. I play it very poorly. I blink away. I. Oh. Okay. I saw the the piano. Uh, I the piano is better at it than I am. I can push the you know play button and it'll play fine. Oh. Okay. I, you know, I I enjoy I enjoy play. You know, it's like I can't do Rachman enough, but I I I can remember. I I I've I've told this to my wife. I've told this to many people. I I know. I know things that can do me the least amount of good. I know a lot of things that just, I, you know, it's like, what's the stock market going to do next week? I have no idea. But the name of the uh, uh, the the little plastic uh, insulator at the ends of shoelaces, those are known as aglets. I know that word. <laughs> it does me no good, but you know, I, anytime somebody wants to ask, I'll I'll be able to tell you. It's well, an it does you it does you good if if uh, you know you're talking about a movie where someone is is tying their shoes and. And the yeah. the aglet comes off, and there you go. Look at those look at those aglets, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's that's why we're podcasters. That's we're that's ready. why we're movie podcasters. <laughs> yes, yes, we can we can finally finally put put this to good use. Yes, always always for good, never for evil. That's right. So, well, because we have to follow uh, the Hays code, you know. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's, as long as it 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 helps the the plot, then it's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I have I have one foot on the floor, so we're okay. Me, um, I got both. I got both on the floor. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that we're five thousand miles apart also helps. There you go. It's the yeah, it's the miracle of uh, the internet. Hooray! I think I think someone once told me years ago that that there were there was more than just the code of of one foot on the floor. Like like if you have two feet on the floor, it means one. It means something. And if you have one foot on the floor, it means another thing. I I tried looking it up and I couldn't find you know like a, oh, it's a, like... a glossary of of you know what what it means. <laughs> It's like it's yeah it's like those it's like horse statues equestrian statues exactly. if the uh, if there's one leg up they won a war if both are up they died in the war and yeah all kind of, I don't know what it means but right. some somewhere somebody did yeah. somebody knew about that that's probably true so the the, the script again the, the, we didn't have very much dialogue here so the dialogue exact is exactly the same but again we'll go back to the descriptions so it says Sally at the sink running some water into two glasses with ice. Hold on her face, a little smile breaks through. So again, you know, I like the fact that that uh, you know that they changed it that she takes out a bottle of bottled water from the fridge and fills it up instead of you know putting ice in in uh, you know in two glasses and filling up the yeah. filling up from tap. And then it says, uh, Harry lying in Sally's bed, still staring straight ahead. In the room is a stuffed animal of some sort, maybe Sally's old teddy bear. And a pink quilt. <laughs> Hold on his face <laughs> as we see that he is still petrified. Yeah. <laughs> Again, great direction. It, yeah. it works. All right. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, uh, dating courting edition, where my guest will give some sort of story, anecdote, adventure, misadventure, something that happened to them over the course of their life that is somewhat related to courting or dating so jimmy have a story for us well i'll give you when jim met nancy my uh my Ooh, wife there you um go. back back when the internet was just a baby it was um uh 1996 1996 i was uh 
I was I was a single dad. I'm a widower, and I have two two children. And I wanted to learn how to do. I may have told the story on one of your other shows. No. I can't remember. But uh, no. one of the uh, when, uh, well, anyway, back in 1996, I had uh, two two young kids, and I was trying to figure out. I wanted to learn about how to make websites on the internet, which was a, just a brand new thing. There were very few out there. Google wasn't there. You know, uh, Amazon wasn't there. It was it was all new. So I signed up with a with a internet service provider and I started looking up things and thought, well, I should make a website, but I don't know what to make it about. And I thought, well, I'm a, I'm a single dad who watches way too much television. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I know TV there's no such know. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, so I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a, a single dads on TV. And I thought, you know, like Andy Griffith or, uh, um, courtship of Eddie's father. Courtship of Eddie's father. I mean, and I have to warn everybody that now that I've mentioned this, you're going to be waking up at two in the morning, going, "Wait a minute, Sanford and said, isn't Fred Sanford a single dad because he lives with Lamont?" And, and then there's my two dads and people, you know, people. So I came up with about a dozen. My you know, three sons. My three sons. Yeah. Uh, Brady, Bonanza, Brady, Brady yeah. bunch. You can also stay no, from the no, first. No, we're we're well, well, we'll go in, we'll go into that one. Yeah, that, <laughs> uh, but it's see, this is gonna this is gonna go down a rabbit hole that you might. <laughs> but um but anyway i, I love I rabbit holes <laughs> i put out um I, I put out like a dozen i put them out there and i called it the tv single dads hall of fame and i got a domain and I, it called tv dads and so i put these out and i i started getting you know maybe uh i don't know 10 people wrote me and said hey you forgot what about uh, land of the lost and what about uh deep space nine and what about and so i'd be adding these things in and then i got like i started getting like 20 or 30 uh, emails and then i started getting hundreds of emails and then i started getting calls from cnn and the wall street journal and the washington post because they want to talk about um the with the web and entertainment weekly put me in as the third most entertaining site on the web. And I had 2 million views and then 5 million views and it was just getting crazy. So, but I get all this mail from different people about, you know, you got this wrong though. The name of the, the, on sky King, the, uh, the, the aircraft was a Cessna 310 B. And so I'd have to go in and start making changes. And I, I wound up with like 250 single dad shows on TV and more every, wow. every year came out. <laughs> So um, one Christmas night, I got uh, an email from uh, from a woman up in Massachusetts, and uh, she said that you in Punky Brewster you have the dad wrong. His name was you know I don't remember what the dad's name was, but so it was a grandfather, wasn't he? Was oh no, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah. There's there's a couple there's there's a couple of situations in there, and it's it's. But anyway, he he counted, and. Um, so she would write me back and I wrote her back and we got to talking and she lived, I lived in Virginia and she lived in Massachusetts. And I said, well, we really need to meet sometime just to, just to see, you know, to meet each other. And so I got out a map and I drew a line between the two and the middle, the middle of the, the middle of the, the line between us was Danbury, Connecticut. So I said, how about we meet for dinner in Danbury, Connecticut? And so she said, okay, I'm, uh, I'll go there. And so uh, my kids were visiting their grandparents. And um, I went to, uh, I drove up from Virginia to Connecticut, but I was running late. And this was before I had a cell phone, before she had a cell phone. 
So uh, we were going to meet at, the, at a bookstore. We were going to meet at Barnes & Noble. And uh, so I called Barnes & Noble. I said, do you see a woman walking around who's been there? Yes, she's been here all afternoon. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, could you tell her that I'm about 80 miles away and I'll be there in another hour and a half? <laughs> so anyway, I got there. I got there a little bit late. And um, there was this um, – the Ethan Allen Inn was this big – it was like a hotel convention center place. And so uh, we had – we had gone there for dinner and she was going to stay, she was going to stay there at the, at the place. And they had, uh, they had a piano there. And I mean, I said, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a good piano player, but I'm an okay piano player. So, and we had been talking about Disney movies and Disney movies have sing, uh, lots of single dads in all of them, including beauty and the beast. And, uh, in, you know, that the bell lives with her, her dad, but there's no mom in the scene. So, when we were at this uh, hotel convention center, there was a ballroom and nobody was in it. And there was a piano. And I sat down at the piano and I said, I know how to play Beauty and the Beast. So I played, I sat down and I started playing, you know, Tale as old as I was playing away. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm just, I have my eyes closed trying to remember now this is a C and then a G and then there's a D chord. And, you know, I'm, I'm going up and down and playing this whole thing. And she was sitting on the bench next to me. And I, I paused and I looked at her and she was crying and I was, I said, are you okay? Maybe, you know, maybe she thought this was a big mistake ever meeting me. And, and she said, no, nobody's ever played a song for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. So that was, that was the beginning of a very long distance romance that went on for years. Uh, I was, you know, it's like, we, we talked about the Brady Bunch scenario. She had two kids. I had two kids, but um, I don't know if we could raise kids together. So we kind of lived apart for many years. And, but I, I kept moving closer and closer. We moved to Pennsylvania, then I moved to, I moved to Massachusetts eventually, and uh, and then we uh, we wound up getting married, and uh, now we're in Texas. And uh, but it all started with uh, me being wrong about Punky Brewster. Hey, why not? <laughs> See, it's good to be wrong, also. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I hope that's a romantic story. It was for me. That is a great story. That. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you for that, Jim. Uh, so you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you uh, if they have questions about Punky can... Brewster? It's <laughs> <laughs> so you go to tvdads.com. It's still running. We've got and I've, uh, and there's more um, there's more shows coming out every year. And I can point to uh, the HBO show. I haven't added it yet, but The Last of Us is a single dad show Ooh. with Pedro Pascal. If you're watching if you're watching that on HBO, that's a new one. But uh, yeah, they just keep make every year. It's like there's there's some kind of rule in the networks that, yeah, we need another single dad show. So if you watch, you know, Lost and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've all over the years, they just keep coming up with new single dad shows. So they'll, I'll, I, I got to keep it. It's kind of been neglected because I've been re I've been doing all these podcasts and I can't keep up with everything. <laughs> so, and, and with, you know, it's like the networks have kind of died away, but with Hulu and Netflix and all the other, uh, all the other streaming services, they just keep it coming out with new stuff. I don't count the things that don't count are um, soap operas because every everyone is eventually a single dad on a soap opera, <laughs> and uh, they they don't count. And as you brought up Mike Brady, there's a I actually had to put in, and this is crazy, but people I, I used to think I watched too much TV, but I am nowhere near the, the <laughs> people that that watch TV and have all the. I actually had to come up with four rules of what single what counts as a single dad and uh the number uh the number three rule was the mike brady clause <coughs> excuse me. 
Um, the Mike Brady clause says that you have to be a single dad for the majority of the run of the series. You can't, if Mike Brady was a single dad, but only for the first 20 minutes of episode one. Right. So he doesn't count. And there were, I mean, when I was going at this full tilt, there were actually Mike Brady clocks that I had on different shows. Um, and it doesn't count. You can't suddenly reveal, like the last episode of MacGyver, it revealed that he had a son and he had always been a single dad. And it's like, no, 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 no. We don't have any of these last minute <laughs> conversions where you're a single dad. You have to show it for the majority of the series. So like people like, um, uh, Ned Flanders on uh, on The Simpsons, he uh, he was he became a single dad in the thirteenth season of uh, of The Simpsons. But so I had to wait thirteen years for him to become a true single dad because he would have been a single dad for longer than he was uh, married. And if he would have gotten um, remarried during that time, it's a problem. Then that w- that would have blown it out. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, I didn't know there was going to be so much math involved. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, um, there's math involved in everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you the other the other three real quick. the uh, The first one is the um, the uh, the Conrad Janus clause, which is uh, or I'm sorry, the Mindy McConnell Occupancy Act. Mindy M- Mindy McConnell on Mork and Mindy. Uh, her father was single, but uh, she didn't live with her dad. She lived with Mork, so he doesn't count. He has to be. They have to live under the same uh, the same roof. Uh, the second one is the Grandpa Munster Mortgage Act. Grandpa Munster does not count as a single dad because even though he's a single dad for Lily, Herman is the head of the household. Now, this gets this gets difficult when you start describing households because if you think about who's the boss, Tony Danza is does not own the house that Judy Judith Light That's owns, true. but he but he's head of his own household with Alyssa Milano. He's a household within a household, so he does count. And um, then the fourth rule is the uh, Jonas Grumby uh, uh, Paternity Act, which you uh, people keep writing. Well, what about a mentor like, uh, you know, the skipper is the kind of the mentor to Gilligan. And he's saying it's like, no, no, it has to actually he has to actually be responsible for the children that he's in charge of. So uh, he doesn't count. Uh, but Uncle Jesse from uh, the Dukes of Hazard counts. So does Uncle Bill from Family Affair. Uh, even David Seville with uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, he counts because he had to make sure that Alvin and Theodore and uh, Simon got to school on time. So even if they're not of the same species, he's still a single dad. Was Scrooge McDuck a uh, single dad? Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, you would not believe the kind of conversations I've had in the ensuing 27 <laughs> years over setting up this <laughs> silly little website that people love fighting about. But uh, it's older than Google. It's it's still out there if you uh, if you want to see it it's out there at tvdads.com. Okay, thank you very much for for that extended explanation which which I enjoyed. <laughs> I did enjoy listening to that and and uh, you know adding adding my two cents in there. And finding me is very oh, thank you. and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you. Had to be you.